The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by BetDAC. Get 0% commission on all sports for 100 days when you join BetDAC.com, the sports betting exchange today. New customers only, terms and conditions apply. Now, here's your host, Emmett Kennedy. Welcome to our preview of day three of the greatest show on turf, the 2023 Cheltenham Festival, and giving us their hot takes is six-time champion tipster Paul Jacobs. Paul, welcome back to the Final Furlong. Good morning to you. Looking forward to it. Thursday, my favourite day. Always has been since Imperial Commander won the Ryanair chase and Big Bucks won. I think it was on the same card when the stayers hurdle. I won't tell you about my anti-post bet because it's a little bit, well, it's a bit big-headed, isn't it? But suffice to say, it paid for my extension in Elstree in Hertfordshire. I like the way you tell me, I'm not going to tell you about this uh, epic bet that I had, but it did pay for my lobster lunch and my (laughs) extension (laughs) in Shrewsbury. (laughs) Oh, yes, indeed. But you do have to say that. I think, you know, if you achieve something in life, and and I I see this in a lot of posts on social media, people celebrating and and yahooing and jumping around and running down the uh, centre of the high street where the tops off singing somewhere over the rainbow. If you've got something happy to celebrate and you've achieved something, then do it, you know, throw your hat in the air and be as gay as you possibly want to be. And that's the way I leave my life. I completely agree with that. And it can be tough to back a winner. So no matter what price your horse wins at, go nuts. Yes. Enjoy it. Just enjoy it. And if you can after time, do after time. But do it in a classy way, like Paul Jacobs just said the yes. same there. there. Which, uh, I, which I would never do. I know. I, I sincerely apologize for that. He uh, doesn't you know mean what? a word of that. Happened. He's not sorry in the least. He's already going for the Cuban cigars before we've even begun. Uh, a man who would never after time because he's too classy to do such a thing. But what he would have done is given you the winner beforehand and then celebrate with you in style afterwards. From time for Mark Milligan. Good morning. There's, uh, there's nothing wrong, is there, with celebrating a winner? For I mean, bloody hell, we, we back enough losers, don't we, uh-huh. in our career? Uh-huh. We, we, we back a lot more losers than we do winners. So you've got to celebrate yes. the winners, especially, especially the ones that, that land you the big books. See what I did there? Hey. Oh, I like that. That was classy. And, I like that. And on the Thursday, you'd think he was a racing broadcaster. Uh, <laughs> Thursday and all. Um, if you have not already, get your entries in for Fantasy Cheltenham 2023, fantasycheltenham.ie. And now the declarations are through for Tuesday and for Wednesday. You can start picking your horses right now. And you can change your selection right up to 10 minutes before the off. So if you go cold on a horse, if a horse is a non-runner, you're not getting saddled with the favorite that you didn't actually like and that's who you were taking on in the first place. No, you can go in and change your selection 10 minutes before each race. It's 20 quid to play. It's raised over 950 grand in the last decade for very worthy causes. Play for the crack, play for the banter, play for the cold hard cash because there's a lot of money up for grabs. FantasyCheltenham.ie. When you're registering your name and your number, uh, go County Kilkenny Club Final Furlong Podcast because we're not a GAA team of our own. We're a racing podcast. So click County Kilkenny Final Furlong Podcast. Come and have a go if you think you're clever enough. FantasyCheltenham.ie. And don't forget, 0% commission for 100 days with BetDAC if you sign up now. So for Cheltenham, Aintree, the classics, Fairy House, Punchestown, 0% commission, punish them. Take full advantage of that at betdac.com. Opening race on Thursday is the Turner's Novice Chase. The betting as we have it right now with BetDAC is Mighty Potter 5-4, to four, Banbridge 7-2. to two. Well, that price, will he even run on this ground? Not a hope. Uh, Appreciate it, 4-1. to one. Sir Gerard doesn't go. Sixes, Balco Coastal, and State Star, uh, 11 to 1 shots. Uh, let's begin with Paul Jacobs. Who do you like in the Turner's Novice Chase? Well, I think the first thing that has to be said is that of all the novice chases we will see at the festival, Emmett, that uh, Mighty Potter is what I would term the professional. Mm. You know what you're going to get with him. Um, he jumps efficiently, um, he's got the right attitude. He stays well. The ground won't be a problem. And very quickly, before we go specifically onto this race, the forecast Wednesday night into Thursday morning is between a minimum of nine mils of rain and 16 mils. Um, I rang up a friend of mine who works for the uh, Met office, and he said to me, there's no way it's going to be 
anywhere less than eight mils. So if the ground is at worst good to soft, soft on the Wednesday, it could easily turn to soft heavy on the Thursday. And that that's hugely, hugely important when we're working out our bets, when we're looking so far in advance, the best part of 72 hours. And that won't affect Mighty Potter. But as you alluded to earlier on, Emmett, it hugely affects Bambridge, yeah. who is a massive eye catcher, not only at Leopardstown, but on several occasions when he's run over hurdles and fences. He's almost Bambridge for me is like a, a horse that promises, but doesn't deliver enough on that promise that we've seen over the past couple of years. And now that we're going to have this change in the weather, and now that we're going to have this change in the going as well, it plays against him even more. And I agree. I think once we get that rain on Wednesday night into Thursday, I think he'll be taken out because I think it'll just be a waste of time running him. And they may as well look forward to either Aintree and or Punches Town as well, which doesn't leave an awful lot of uh, betting money in the bank as far as the rest of the field are concerned. And, you know, I, I always and have always done in my punting and tipping career, I've always tried to look against a short price favourite because I'd rather have two knocks at the bank with a win and a place bet. But for this first race on the card, I can't see beyond Mighty Potter. Um, yeah, his one one at Cheltenham, he, he was pulled up, but there are mitigating circumstances there. I think he's very, very solid indeed. And if you are going to look for more... Um, um, VFM bets, value for many bets, they certainly come later on in the car. But I'm not saying he's he's absolutely solid, 101% gold here, but, but but I think he's probably the most dependable of the novice chases we will see this week. And he has very, if not any, weaknesses at all in his armory. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, he, he comes in with proper grade one form. Hopefully, Gayard and Neil will have franked that for albeit in a much lesser race. Um, and Gordon may very well have already won the Brown Advisory by the time this race comes around. Yes. And that yes. is that is a hugely important thing to be discussing as well, is is the way the ground has gone. Because they were they were talking, Mark, about how they were struggling to grow the grass on the new course. And mm. now the update is they have to put down frost covers in an attempt to to try to mitigate all of the rain and um even worse weather conditions that are that are coming into place just to try and save it. But in terms of yeah. Banbridge. Like Joseph O'Brien has made it very, very clear from the jump that this fella needs good ground. And his whole point with him at Fairy House was, yeah, we're going to take the chance in the Drinmore, but this will be it. You're not going to see him again until the Dublin Racing Festival because we need good ground. Well, it's gone. Yeah. Like that good ground, is, it's not, unless they get the hair dryers out, it ain't coming back, Mark Milligan. So that's a three to one shot that you can effectively take out of the race because he has no chance on soft ground. Does that then mean you're going to follow in Paul and myself with Mighty Potter, or are you going to try and burst our balloon? Yeah, I think um, Paul summed it up nicely. I I tipped Mighty Potter anti-post for this race a few months ago nice. in a Betfair column that I write, um, and I've seen nothing since then that would put me off him at all. I've thought for a long time now that he's one of the, or if not the, most likely winner at the festival. Um, ground conditions won't be a bother to him at all. I, he's just very, very difficult to see past, isn't he? I've just actually, while we're recording this, I watched just before we came on air. Um, Nick Luck was doing an interview on racing TV with Clark of the Course, John Pullen. He said it's very, very windy at Cheltenham today, which may dry the ground out a touch but they were also saying that it's a possibility that that could also feed more showers in on that strong wind so i don't think the ground on thursday will be markedly different to what they're currently calling it to be honest yeah i suppose it's just how much rain is going to fall but they have updated the going to soft officially for the new course um which as far as i know is the first time we've got that uh, and it's it is definitely going to start on soft ground. That's the the latest. So worrying. Um, and I, I'm about ten miles from the track, parked up, and my car's rolling around in the wind. Such as the strength of the wind, and I've I've already been hit during a short time we started this podcast with two really heavy showers. And here's the other thing that's really interesting: is the new course is going to be used for the first time on Thursday, and the ground is going to be open on Thursday what's the ground going to be like on the Friday? I mean, that's worthwhile. I know we're talking about Thursday here, but that's hugely pertinent for the final day of the festival. That's a really good shout. 
What is it going to do to the Gold Cup track? And how is that going to impact the likes of Galafond de Champ and Brave Man's game? Ooh, dearie me. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. It was all looking so... I mean, look, I, I'm super excited. It's the Cheltenham Festival. Like, this is it. This is the big week of the year. But it was looking all set to be at least good to soft ground, good ground, and suddenly it's like heavy. Check your going updates, but it's... Yep. Oh, dearie me. Right, the Pretomps, as Tony Keenan christened it all those years ago on the final furlong... Um, Obviously, the favourite was taken out. So we have a new favourite from David Pipe uh, for JP McManus, who's got a terrific record in the Pertoms. Thanks for the help. 11-2 to two with Betak Maxim, who had been a short price favourite for this until he bombed out of the DRF. Wouldn't wouldn't hold that against him. 7-1 uh, to one shot. Walking on air has been very popular. 8-1. to one. Uh, Zaldor Ziggy, 11s. Good time Johnny, 11s. And the boss's Oscar, one of my favourites. And 11-1 to one shot. Paul, uh, how are you looking in the Pretemps? Are you going to be taking a swing at a big one here? Well, it used to be one of my favourite races because you know what you were going to get in the attempts um, through the 90s and even beyond uh, 2000. You get a fast run race and stamina would be one of the major factors. In the last few runnings, they haven't really gone all that quick. Um, and those at the head of affairs have held an advantage. So um, that has been on different grounds to what we're going to get on, on, on Thursday. I was at... Um, I was at Weatherby uh, when I saw um, uh, David Pipe's horse uh, win that day off a mark of 117. And I went into the, pro- the winner's enclosure afterwards and I spoke to his head lad and I said, my word, he, he's going to make a chase of this boy, isn't he? He, said, he says, no, no, he's going to win the Potemps first and then he'll be a novice chasing next year. And, and this is the quote, this is the quote unquote. And sometimes, you know, you take quotes from 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 uh, trainers and jockeys and those associated with the stable with a pinch of salt. But he said, you know what? We've got a 140s plus horse on our hands here. And he's running off the mid-120s here. Now, of course, you do need luck in running. You need the horse to get out of the right side of his, his, his bed or his box on the morning of the race. But he is the potential of a horse that's being thrown in. And he showed that he had a huge motor at Weatherby. And he was still a little bit novicey at his hurdles, Emmett. You know, there's room for improvement yeah. uh, in his jumping. Uh, when he went, when he sort of went short into his hurdles, he didn't know what to do. I'm sure that will have been ironed out since that last run. And I think he hu- he's hugely exciting. The other horse with, uh, that, that I thought would have a, a little bit of a chance here was the old boy at Chief Feet after he came back to form last time out. He's run well off this mark before. He will absolutely adore the dig in the ground. I think he's got a chance at 25 to 1. And, you know, the other one I thought would, would run well, and I've actually backed uh, anti-post for this race. And I'm just trying to find him in my listings. because I've got my anti-post bets here all in a row. Um, and actually, my, my anti-post book this year isn't as good as it normally is. I normally have like three or four. It's Percival Legalois trained by Gavin Cromwell, who's stable come here in really good nick. And I thought this race was made for him. I think nowadays, going back, harking back to recent renewals of this race, you do need a horse that does have the requisite speed to at least, if not be a, a presser or, or or actually lead a race, to be mid-div to presser in that sort of group like five, six, seven, eight, nine horses behind the leader and stays well. And I think that this uh, youngster is only a six-year-old, um, and still has room to improve, possesses those assets. But my main bet would be the new favourite now. But I, it's always a, it's always such an interesting race. Always an interesting race. But will they go flat out, as they used to do in what I term the olden days? Or will they follow what's happened in the last three or four years and hunt around? In which case, you need to be prominent to make that um, place in the field, that, that geographical place in the field, play at the sharp end. Yeah, I completely agree with you on many factors here. Um, I think the question mark about how this race is going to be run is a fascinating one. Um, just for for reference sake, single-figure price horses have taken this race in the last few years. Fingal Bay, uh, mm-hmm. Call the Cops, Delta Work, first five-year-old to win it. Uh, Sire de Burley was a four-to-one shot when he took the race back in, in 2020 as well. It is normally a race you want to swing for one at a big price. Um, I'm all over, thanks for the help all over him, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. even yeah. more so on the back of what you just said. But even without knowing that, um, I was seriously impressed by what he did in, in Chepstow. And he had a nice profile going into that race, and it wasn't as if he was backed off the boards. 
Um, you know, it's not like he was a, a gigantic stable gamble on the day. He was prominent in the betting, but it wasn't like uh, an old J.P. McManus, David Pipe gamble of, of days gone by. Um, and when he turned up to Punchestown, that was his fourth really good run in... Well, he, he racked up good runs in Novice Company. Uh, then he goes to, to Punchestown, which I thought was just odd in the first place that he went over there. Um, and he ran a blinder and was heavily gambled on. And he ran really, really well. Had a decent enough comeback on St. Stephen's Day, Boxing Day. Uh, but then after a wind-up, and with the application of headgear, just turns it around completely. And finally, after the, the wind-up, was demonstrating this is, this is how good this horse could be. Kevin Brogan never yeah, touched absolutely. him. Kevin Brogan no, never we went near him. He's absolutely and Can I just murdered. say as well, Emmett? You, you put me right that it was Chepstone. I don't know why I said Weatherby. That was his previous run. The other thing is, when he was actually in the winner's enclosure, right, he was blowing the house down as well. So that's even more scary when you bear in mind the remarks from the stable rep. So, yeah, I mean, and the other thing, and you touched on it very quickly. Sorry, Mark, to take up your time very quickly, is you mentioned past winners. And jockeyship plays a big part, I always think, in this kind of race, where to position yours, not to go too early down the long home straight on the new course. And you mentioned call the cops. I think that was Nico de Boinville, wasn't it? Yeah. What a sensational ride. That that was a sensational ride. And he was just bordering on that occasion, coming in as a senior jockey. Um, Andrew Tickler. In these big... Um, uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, We, we both have Actually, to apologise yeah. to Andrew Tickler. Apologies, Andrew Tickler. Yeah, and I, I, I'm losing it. Yeah, my apologies. But jockey ship in these Big field handicap, whether it's a chase or a hurdle. But I always think particularly a hurdle because going that, that strike quicker than they would do in a chase. Um, it's it, it, it it's hugely, hugely important. We, we, we can't underplay it at all. No, um, very much so. And he's by Martelline, who's the sire of Dinast, who won the Ryanair chase for David Pipe, was it nine years ago? I think to the day mm. he'll be back in the winner's enclosure again. Uh, the mark he has of 128 would not have got him in the race last year. And the, on the road to Cheltenham, when the BHA, both handicappers came out, the hurdle handicapper and the chase handicapper, the hurdles handicapper was making the point that since they changed the qualifications for this race, the standard of quality for this uh, for the entries has just dropped dramatically. First of all, they didn't get the quantity, and they certainly didn't get the quality. Um, he's way better than a mark of, of 128. The fact that it, his connections are already saying, you know, this fella's in the 140s means he's gone in there incredibly well handicapped. He wouldn't have been able to run in the race previously. And the nature of this race is probably going to be different as well with a lower quality of horse. How strong a pace is it going to be? How how classy a renewal is going to be? Not a very high class one, I suspect. Uh, and I think he's going to take the world a beating. Mark Milligan, who do you like in the Pertoms? Yeah, no, you you two chaps are making my job really easy here because you've you've covered in depth some of the major players in here and all the positives for them, including thanks for the help, who clearly, he clearly could be much better than a mark of 128, couldn't he? But he does head the market. So I was tempted just to look elsewhere. And, and Emmett, you won't be surprised and, and regular listeners won't be surprised that I'm going to side with walking on air. Ah. Because he's a horse that you know I've got an awful lot of time for. I yep. actually thought he was going to be a big player in the Ballymore last season on the back of that um, that debut hurdle win at Newbury when he was so, so impressive. But things kind of went a little bit wrong, didn't they? The wheels came off at, at Aintree. His first two starts this season at, at Aintree and Doncaster were, were underwhelming at, uh, and I fancied him for both those, but he finally put it all together at Exeter last time, winning with a bit in hand. Now, that wasn't a, as strong a race as he's going to face on Thursday by any means, but he's a horse who does finally, finally seem to be figuring the game out now. This will be just his sixth start over hurdles. I think he's only a six-year-old. He's got the potential still to go on and be a very, very good hurdler, potentially better than a one a, a 130s rated hurdler anyway. So the, the fact that walking on air is finally figuring the game out means I'm going to side with him in here. Eight to one with Mark, Bedrack. are you worried about the ground with him? It, it would be 
a slight concern, but we call at time form we called the ground soft at Newbury when he won there. We called it good mm-hmm. to soft at Exeter. Uh, I don't think you'd want it to get absolutely desperate, but then you could level that at quite a few of these, couldn't you? Mm. Yeah, yeah. And he's only carrying eleven stone five. Like he's he's much better than a mark of one three eight. He has to be. Um, and, and by the mayor refinement, who was just desperately unlucky at Cheltenham. Beaten twice in the champion bumper. Kieran Fallon held his hands up the first time. Fallon didn't arrive until half an hour before the bumper and then got off her and went, oh, yeah, should have won that. Thanks, Kieran. Um, he, he says through a bitter, broken pocket on that day. Uh, and Tony McCoy, I'm pretty sure McCoy had a back spasm. Whether McCoy will admit that or not, something went wrong. It was very unlike him to not write out a finish. And that was in the mayor's hurdle, the first running of the mayor's hurdle when Donald McCain's horse, White Oak, won. Um, but refinement was incredibly unlucky on that day. Uh, and maybe she will throw up a winner in as, as a mother uh, with walking on air. But for Paul and I, it's all about thanks for the help. Uh, eight to one about walking on air. The Ryanair chase. Shishkin, five to four on with Betak. Uh, and that is the best price. He is as short as six to four on in other places. Uh, Blue Lord, five to one. Conflated, does not run. Uh, Janadil, a seven to one shot. Uh, Fury Road does go here, 15 to two. Envoy Alain, who we've talked about extensively on the Final Forum podcast, an 11 to one shot for the Ryanair chase with Betak. Zero percent commission for the first hundred days. Sign up now. Uh, let's switch things around. So Mark, if you've been having it easy, let's put you into the front seat. Ryanair <laughs> chase. Uh, what do you make of it? Yeah, well, clearly, clearly Shishkin is going to take the world of beating if, and this is a big if, isn't it? If it's the same Shishkin we saw at Ascot last time. But, you know, there's got to be at least a small doubt, isn't there, that he will back up what their, what appeared to be a gargantuan performance on the day. We only have to cast our minds back 12 months, don't we, to that abject performance in the champion chase where, interestingly, Nicky Henderson blamed the ground, didn't he? Now, as as you know, I've, I've documented this many a time, haven't I, Emmett, that I was at, at Cheltenham that day and the conditions were probably the worst I've ever experienced on a race course in this country. It literally tanked down from beginning to end. Shishkin, I wouldn't necessarily be inclined to blame the ground myself for his performance there. I think there were there were other factors at play, but I think you're going to have to be brave, given that there's uncertainty over the weather forecast here, um, to go in at him at a short price. So the the problem is after after Shishkin, I don't think this is a, a, a terribly deep race is it agreed it's a race that i think of all the the races on the thursday i probably had the least strong opinion in if that makes sense and look i i'm not convinced i want to be with shishkin at a really short price his opponents don't necessarily convince either but i'm going to take a real flyer here and go for envoy allen oh let's go <laughs> two starts ago at down royal he came back to the sort of form and looked the sort of horse that we thought he was going to be a couple of years ago for for gordon elliott didn't he and then last time at kempton what happened there? His jumping kind of just went to pieces, didn't it? He never got into any sort of rhythm at all. Let's just draw a line to that. He's going to be a double figure price. I wanted to take on Shishkin on the day. Actually, I'll probably I'll probably lay Shishkin. That will probably be the way that that I'll play the race. I'll probably do a lay of Shishkin. But in a race I didn't have a particularly strong opinion on, I'm going to go for Envoy Allen to cause a bit of an upset. I'm with you. Um... Look, I, it's great to see Shishkin back. It's a pretty quick turnaround. He wasn't given an easy time of it. In some ways, I like the fact that Nico de Boinville just went, right, go on and do it. Um, in another way, you're thinking, oh, hang on, there's another race to come, and, and it's only 26 days from now. 
he might he won't bounce because he's not a candidate for the bounce factor, Graham. Uh, but I, I think he misspoke that day. I genuinely think he did. Um, he might regress from it. That's that's a reasonable enough thing to say. Uh, he has backed up big runs in the past. Um, in some ways, in a turnaround of this time period has actually worked to his benefit in the past, and he's put up really strong performances. But this is Shishkin after a rare bone disease. I don't know what this Shishkin is capable of consistently now. Uh, maybe he will just crush this lot. But maybe he won't. And Envoy Alain, talking to Henry de Bromhead a couple of weeks ago for TalkSport and went out in the final furlong as well, really taken with how positive, how he spoke about him in the build-up to the King George. He said he'd never been happier with him. He thought he had him absolutely spot on. Rachel was buzzing going over to Kempton and he just bombed. And they couldn't understand why. But something that Sam Tristan Davis said to Nick Luck a few days ago, uh, it was on Twitter, that when they brought We've All Been Caught over to the Dublin Racing Festival, if he'd finished fourth or fifth, they'd have been crestfallen and going, oh, well, he's not that good. But the fact that he finished last means, well, that can't be right. So he's just had an off day, and we can still believe and still believe there's another big day. And that couldn't have been in Voiland's form at Kempton. And he's got some record when he runs fresh. He's an exceptional record when fresh, and a brilliant Cheltenham Festival record as well. So I would take the chance too, uh, whether it's a without the favourite bet or just in the straight market at 12s, which is his current price. Uh, that's how I would be going for it as well. Uh, Paul Jacobs, though, what is your view on the Ryanair chase? Apart from when he fell behind Chantry House, but that's I, another I, story, I isn't I it? I know, I know. I, you knew I was going to say that. You knew I, Listen, I think this is a frigging awful Ryanair. I think it's probably the worst Ryanair in the history of the race. Yeah. Um, the very fact that all of us, all three of us, want to oppose Shishkin, I think the mark. And when he came back, actually, the champion chase last year, Mark, I do recollect it was a horrible day, wasn't it? It could be an equally as horrible day on Thursday as it could be on Wednesday, couldn't it? It could yeah. be as equally as bad. And the what the first thing that Nico said to uh, Nicky Henderson, the first words were said, he hated it out there. He hated it out there. And I think, I don't fancy anything else in the race, so I'm probably not going to have a bet fixed odds on the race. I think the way to go, uh, what Mark said is right, is to lay Shishkin, but I think the way to go is to lay him in the place market if you're looking for real value Ooh. and you're looking for limited liability, is lay Shiskin in the place market. I can't have any of the other horses in there at all. And it might be a race if I don't play for a lay on the place. I might even leave alone. You have 28 races during the week. They're all hard enough to try and evaluate. And if you play in every single race, you ain't going to come out with a profit. Very wise words, depressing, but wise wise words. And that probably is the best way to go about it. Um, not just lay him, but place lay him. Because if he is going to bomb out, he'll bomb out spectacularly. Um, so yeah, yeah, absolutely. Listen, we're all taking on Shishkin. If he wins, the there won't be a dry eye in the house and it'll be a tremendous training performance from Nicky, but we're all taking him on. There's This is a race where there is no emotion. It's all about the cold, hard cash and we're taking on Shishkin. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. To the stairs hurdle, uh, which is shaping up to be a cracking renewal of the race. Blazing Cal for Charles Burns is the three to one shot, although he did have an injury scare last week. Uh, Tiapu fours. He's definitely going to get his ground now. Uh, the defending champion Florian Porter bids to join Ingalls Drever as a three time winner of the race, five to one. Gold tweet has been supplemented tens. Ashdale Bob, uh, 16th shot. There's Home by the League, Classical Dream, and so many others in there in the Bet Dark Market. Uh, Bet Dak Market, even as well, if I can speak correctly and use my mouth words. Uh, as I take a big gulp of espresso, Mark, that'll work out well. Who do you like in the stairs hurdle? Yeah, I'm keen on Tihupu here. Good man, He's just been. <laughs> He's just been so progressive, hasn't he, since he, he stepped up in trip? And his last two runs have both been in the 160s, 
on time form ratings. That's the kind of level that you're going to need to run to to win a stayers hurdle. Flooring Porter, if we just look, in fact, Flooring Porter hasn't even needed to run into the 160s to, to win the last two stayers. So that tells you plenty about the trajectory of Tihupu here. Blazing Carl, he's obviously another horse who's very much on the upgrade. He's won his last five. He needs to improve again for me, though, even though his trajectory is going the right way. I think he's still round about five or six pounds shy of what you'd need to win uh, a normal stayers hurdle. There's no reason at all why he can't bridge that gap. But like you said, there was a bit of an injury scare with him last week. So, you know, you're taking a bit of a risk if you want to back him at, I think he's around about three to one, isn't he? Yeah. For me, Tiupu, he'll love the conditions. He's unexposed as a stayer still. He's heading very much in the right direction. And crucially, he's already run to the sort of level that you need to run to win a stayer. So Tihupu for me. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I think this has all come about absolutely spot on. However, Paul Jacobs, are you with us or are you against us? Well, I, I kind of uh, have a foot in both camps. And, uh, and the first thing to be said is, uh, I think Nicky Henderson has made the wrong decision, uh, making Marie's Rock go for the mares on the opening day compared to here. For me, the bigger of the two races would be to win the Stairs Hurdle because it's more of a, a definitive championship race. But that's the end of I think she's been crying out for three miles the way she comes up the hill. Um, uh, and this race is a much lesser race than it looked around about four or five weeks ago, with Blazing Carl having had a setback, with Marie's Rock going to the Mayor's Hurdle, with Flooring Porter also not having had it, have come um, where he didn't really have to be an above-average winner of of a stayer's hurdle. And and here's the pertinent point with Flooring Porter. He's been flattered by those two runs because nothing's touched him up front. And Danny Mullins, all he's got to do is set the pace to his own agenda and nobody's come at him until in between the final two flights. And then, predictably, Flooring Porter's had enough in the tank to pick up again. Visually, to the eye, he looked mightily impressive. But I think he's been flattered by those two runs. And add on to the back of that the fact that he's not had a clear run in his training regime all the way through this year is another minus against his name. Uh, the Galmoy hurdle, I don't think, was a great race. But Tihupu couldn't have won it any more impressively. And the very fact that he's gone up from two miles to two and a half to three this season just means he's got a little bit more time to organise himself. Because the horse almost seemed to be getting in his own way at his hurdles. And when he's been asked to quicken, that he didn't really know what was being asked about him. He, did, he couldn't get it organised in his head. And his head then communicated to his body and his legs. He's got more time because they go a slower pace over two and a half and now over three miles. And he's still unexposed. There should be a lot more to come from him. The grounds obviously won't be a problem. You can see him being hunted around in mid-div. I don't think Flooring Porter's going to get his own way up front. And I think he's got an incredible chance. It'd just be interesting to see which way the markets go between now and Thursday as to how his price may contract. And I think it will do. I think the forgotten horse is Gold Tweet. I thought he was hugely impressive at Cheltenham last time out when he travelled like the wrath of God. Mm. And when he was asked to quicken, he's found a really smart turn of foot for a stare as well. So I think Tihupu has the best chance in the race. But I think Gold Tweet, because he's French, we've, we've done this ever since the time of, you know, Nupsala and before then. We're, we're racing snobs in, in the UK and Ireland. Uh, we do it on the flat at more over jumps. Oh, they're French. They can't be all that good, even though they're coming over. We tend to underestimate their chances. And I think the French Raider is the biggest danger to Tihupu. But, Paul, he's a cheese-eating surrender monkey. How could he possibly win his stairs? <laughs> <laughs> you terrible man, you. Oh, the Simpsons always good for a quote. Groundskeeper Willie. Better not do the accent or Ben Aiken will literally kill me. Uh, but be found somewhere in the Outer Hebrides or not found at all. We love you, Ben. And he's back on for Aintree very, very soon. Um, it's all in good fun. I, I would have to agree with you about Flooring Porter as well. It's killing me to go away from him. And Danny Mullins was incredibly bullish about him when I interviewed him last week for talks about and, and the final four long. Very bullish. And look, you you would have to be concerned about his form earlier in the season, but a couple of things. 
now they know what was wrong. And Danny made reference to that, that it didn't make sense in getting, getting beaten in the way he did at Christmas. And finally, when an answer was given, that they were able to identify, I think it was a problem with one of his hind legs, uh, that they were able to, to go, okay, so he hasn't been running right. And he had missed a couple of gallops before that race too. So, look, he's been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. Um, Yates' progeny at the trip are 22 from 76 at Cheltenham. And they've had, wow. yeah. Um, so, uh, apologies. Over two mile six to three mile two in the last in the last year, uh, they're 22 from 76. Progeny at Cheltenham in the last two years, 12 winners, which, you know, it wouldn't have been a gigantic amount of them that has, that has gone there. Um, uh, and obviously, Florian Porter is responsible for two of those, but he's a tremendous racehorse. I just think the younger legs of Tiapu, with the better preparation and the ground coming in his in his favour, Gordon Elliott must have been doing the rain dance of all rain dances for Jerry Kalam, Mighty Potter, and, and Tiapu. It's come off, and let's see if he can actually go and get the job done now. Uh, to the plate, gentlemen, as we rattle on through Thursday. So Scottish, 7-2 to two market leader for the plate with Betak Ilredotto, who Paul Nichols told Nick Luck the other day would be his best handicap chance. Reckons most of his horses are badly handicapped. Doesn't every trainer think that, though? Uh, Ilredotto, 8-1. to one. Hot on Calor. All right, fair enough. If you want to go throw your money on him. Uh, Eights. We got Midnight River at 10s. Uh, Frero Bamboo, the horse I'm interested in, uh, 10 to one shot. And I am Maximus, who I believe goes here. Uh, we'll, we'll see. But 14s, if that is indeed correct. Um, Paul, we'll switch back to you. What do you like in the plates? I think so. Scottish of 143 may now be in the handicapper's pocket. And I, and I think he's way, way too short in the betting. Um, and I thought this was once again a very open renewal, even if you take him out of the equation. Um, I was interested in Ion Maximus at a big price if he was going to run at the turn is to get placed, not to win it, but to be placed. And the very fact that he said he may go here makes him hugely interesting. I've got an update for you. Think is... I've got an update for you. He's been declared for the Brown Advisory, which is music to my ears because he's my each way. Oh, has there. he? Mm. Oh, interesting. Okay. I, I, I just think he's a likable horse and we get to see the best of him. Yeah, great. But I thought there's one in here. Um, that I've been waiting to drop back in trip from three miles for a while, and we finally get it. And it's Ascaria 10, who is thought as a novice to be very, very classy indeed, and ran some cracking races as a novice as well. Um, he won, of course, third in the National Hunt Chase in 2021, where I thought he fenced beautifully. You know, he has this ability to stand off a fence. He has the scope as well. And I think off this mark, I think Gordon Elliott has found his niche. He, he doesn't quite see out a fast run, deep ground, three miles, three, one, three, two, uh, because he can be quite exuberant and free in his races. And if we get a well-run two and a half here, two, five here, and he's placed in mid-div or as a presser, and his jumping is a huge asset, and the ground definitely isn't a problem. I think he's an absolutely huge price for a horse that hasn't raced very often at this, what I think he's going to be. And I'm predicting it's going to be, I could be wrong. I'm predicting he's going to be his optimum trip and he'll carry the weight. No problem at all. He's got a welterweight on his back, but he's a real big, robust horse. And I think this is a really shrewd move from Gordon Elliott. I'm liking that. I'm particularly liking how bullish you are about him. Um, the question is though, Mark Milligan, who do you like? Yeah, I thought there was a, there were a few of interest in here I, I kind of agree with Paul on, on so Scottish I think he's I think he's short enough in the market yeah. isn't he for for what he's achieved now I was a big fan of his uh, Ascot last time wasn't I Emmett and he got beat there off a mark of 135 I felt that was a race that he ought to have been winning. He's off 143 now, so the handicappers taken absolutely no chances with him at all. There were a couple that caught the eye last time. That's all right, Gino and Shake come up, Harry. But I'm keen on Midnight River. I think that run at Cheltenham last time went. Was that the, the Harry Skelton celebration? That race is that the? Oh, I think it was. <laughs> he did the aeroplane good memory yeah <laughs> but i like the fact that he's coming in fresh here and he likes cheltenham he's up seven pounds for that but that won't be a bother because he's a horse who can carry big weights he won under 12 stone 
at Stratford on his comeback this season. I think he's still a reasonably handicapped horse of 152. So I was more than happy at what should be a double-figure price here to side with Midnight River. That sounds very fair to me. Um, I'm fascinated in Gemerond because uh, I'm pretty certain that what Phoenicia Williams wanted to do was go for the Grand Annual with him. He just hasn't got in. Um, and he might not get in this either. Uh, that's something that she was saying the other day on, on Road to Shelton with Lydia, that some of her horses are just a little bit too well handicapped. Uh, he needs 10 to come out. That's possible. Uh, I am Maximus, for example, is just one. There's a, there's a number of horses who are going to come out of this race, so it's possible he would sneak in. If he does, I, I think he's got the right tactics for it. He would go from the front. He's a big, bold jumper. Um, and he does run well on soft ground. Ironically enough, there's a couple of Venetia Williams horses that are starting to show that they're actually better on good ground. Uh, Fumble Savola winning on good ground at, at uh, Sandown Newbury the other day, uh, if we get the mind right. Um, but I was really impressed with how well he jumped the other day, and I thought he ran an absolute blinder behind the big bite and was a little bit unlucky to lose at 33-1. to 1, He'd be interesting for me. I'm also interested in a horse of hers that will definitely get in, uh, Frero Bamboo. Um Shorter than I would like, but I think he's better than he's shown in, in recent times. Um, and, and I would certainly pay close attention to him. The other is Il Rodotto. Uh, he's a 10 shot. Look, he's, he's, clearly, he's clearly a horse who excels at Cheltenham. Um, soft ground won't be an issue for him. He beat Fugitive on soft ground on the 28th of January. He's gone up for that. Uh, he carried 10 stone 12 that day. He's on 11 stone 3 now, but Nichols was saying he thinks he's still reasonably well treated. And a 10 to 1 for a horse who absolutely loves the track he may very well end up being the main selection for me um, come come the day on TalkSport. But right now, I'd be trying to figure out which of the Venetia Williams horses gets in. If it's Gemerond, I'd be all over him at 33s, but Il Rodotto would have to be high on the list as well. Uh, to the Jack de Bromhead, Mare's Novice Hurdle. Uh, again, this cannot be said enough. It's a tremendous thing that Michael O'Leary is doing in naming the race in honour of, of Jack de Bromhead. And if you heard the interview with uh, the, the great and powerful... Henry de Bromhead, uh, a couple of weeks ago in the final furlong, he did get, understandably, very emotional when talking about this and talking about how his family and his friends are going to be there. And these days are tough. Uh, it's it's fantastic for the family that, that Jack is being remembered in this way, but it has to be incredibly tough for them. Um, but look, he's going to have a good chance, uh, ground depending, uh, of being able to take this with Magical Zoe. The betting with Betdak is Lucia, 6-4, to four which is one of the best prices you can get. Uh, Ashro Diamond, a fourth shot. Lot of joy. Sea of blue. Milligan, you know I love this. Uh, sevens into five to one. Uh, you can get sixes with BetDak, but I don't know how long that's going to last for. BetDak.com, uh, 0% commission for your first 100 days if you sign up now. Uh, you wear it well. Tens, Magical Zoe, tens, and Princess Zoe uh, is a 12 to one shot. Paul Jacobs, who do you like in the Jack de Bromhead Mare's Novice Hurdle? I think when it comes to this kind of race, it's really hard, isn't it, to try and compare the Irish with the UK form. Always is. Mm -hmm. And Lucia, although she's looked exciting, she's not really beaten anything of note. And her hurdling leaves a bit to be desired. But you and Mark will know as well as I and everybody listening is that if you have an engine inside and you can get away with a mistake or two, the engine will always override your deficiencies in jumping. Um, or will mainly, and the busy, biggest example of that way back when over fences was, of course, Carville's Hill when he obliterated his field in the Welsh National but made 13 mistakes, <laughs> which is unbelievable. Which is unbelievable. So Lucia's the sexy Your 13 mistakes he made in the Welsh National, <laughs> either going through the top of a fence or making an absolute highfalutin mistake. Yeah, um, yeah. Go and look at the race again. It's quite, quite busy. But this is obviously going to be more difficult for Lucia. Nicky Henderson, when he has a novice, um, time is never of the essence. He's a very patient trainer, isn't he? And he said this before with Lucia, that she's very headstrong at home and it's taken a long time for her to drop the bit, relax, and use that motor to maximum effect. But this is completely different. Therefore, I think she's a little bit short at 64. She could very well go in and hose here with a clear round. Astro Diamond is solid. I mean, the form is there, isn't it? At the highest level, really, really solid behind Facil Vega um, and um, reverting to Novice's company, won the Grade 1 Solarina, uh, just over length from Chitara. That's really solid. 
lots of joy. Magical Zoe remains unbeaten. Really interesting. Henry's taken a very softly, softly tiptoe um, way around the race course of Magical Zoe, mm -hmm. almost as if he knows there's more left in the tank, but he didn't want to test her before Thursday. Um, I think her biggest attribute is she she travels so well through a race, like almost she's got another gear, but she hasn't had to use it since. Uh, the ground is what you say could be a factor with her, but I think she's I think she could be seven to ten pound better than she's shown so far, and that's worth bearing in mind when you come to working out your own private ratings, uh, which is what I do. I obviously look at time form and i'll look at the racing post and other people's ratings and then i'll adjust them to my private ratings and she has almost in time form parlance got a big p in my book so with a clear round i think lucia may be good enough to win this but that is not a given one with lots of joy we haven't mentioned nine today you wear it well this is going to be it's going to ask an awful lot more of Lucia. so i'm almost going to sit out on the sidelines in this one saying i think the cheer will win with a clear round but it's by no way, by no way a given. Yeah, so I was saying I would have loved her to run in the Supreme. And I understand Agreed. why they've chosen not to do that. Um, so this then might sound odd. I'm taking her on. Well, why am I taking her on when I was so keen to back her in the Supreme? Because reading Paul Ferguson's excellent Weatherby's Cheltenham Festival betting guide, which if you haven't bought yet, you can still get the PDF copy delivered to your email almost instantly. Weatherby Shop, use the promo code FINAL23, lowercase, F-I-N-A-L-2-3, and you get £5 off, and it's yours pretty much instantly. British mm. bread mares in this race, zero from 23. Why? I don't know. I have no idea why British bread horses struggle in this race, but it's a thing. It's also a thing in the boodles, something you should worry about for Biker. If he goes and bolts up, don't have too much of a pop at me. This is all his work. I'm just stealing it. Nicky Henderson trained mares, including Epitant, all beaten. 10. He's had 10 runners in this race. They've all been beaten. This is a tough little race. And she didn't jump very well the other day. And I remember you were tweeting me because I was going, oh my goodness, this is like the next superstar of racing or some bombastic tweet like that. And and you, Paul, very quickly responded, with, but didn't she just do what we would have expected her to do? Like, Was it really that mind-blowing? She didn't jump particularly well. Um, she was a long odds-on favourite. She should be beating that field by the way that she did. And I, I tend to agree with you. So, Ashro Diamond would have been high on the list, except for the fact that she's giving away the penalty. Lamini and Lorena did that. Um, it could have been Lamini, Let's Dance, and Lorena both carried a penalty to victory. So, it's not impossible, but I love a lot of joy. And I think Paul Townend's going to ride her. I think Townend really wants to ride a lot of joy, and I think he will. Um, took her a while to get the hang of things over hurdles. She ran very well in Cork. On heavy ground, that form has worked out okay. Uh, deep cave beater somehow managed to get up on the line uh, under a power-packed ride from Rachel Blackmore at Leopardstown at the Christmas meeting. I think she just started to tread water that day over a distance that's probably a little bit further for her than ideal. Um, she was a very good flat horse, won the Swedish St. Ledger, ran two crackers on the flat as well for Willie Mullins in Galway, uh, against Echoes and Rain, who Patrick chose, and Patrick was desperate to win that race, the amateur rider's handicap. Um, she was badly drawn that day. She had a horrible draw in the Irish Cesar, which of the Curra behind Waterville, who Mark and I talked about extensively. And she did amazingly well to get up for third that day. So she has a lot of class. Uh, she's a young horse. She's improving. She's a Camelot. And I know they think an awful lot of her, and she did it really well the last day. Now, she was a million on. She should have won the last day and won easily. But she did it really nicely. She jumps beautifully. I think she's got a lovely profile for this race. I think Townend will ride her. Even if he doesn't, I'd still be keen. But I suspect how this is going to go is Patrick will ride Ashro Diamond. Paul will ride a lot of joy. And Paul will win. Mark, who do you like? Oh, you, you two are a tough crowd. <laughs> I, I actually don't think Lucia's jumping has been that bad, you know, in her two hurdles rooms. I think she's jumped adequately in both of them. Yes, she made a bit of a mess of the last at Exeter, and she's been a little bit novicey at times, but my God, there's an engine there, isn't there? Oh, for there? sure, yeah. And and that engine could be, this could be just like a Ferrari against mini countrymen here, can not it? She's, I think she, she, I think she's a really, really top-class 
prospect. She's got the time form large P in here, as does Magical Zoe, who you've both talked about in depth as well. I think Lucia's jumping will be better in a bigger field at a faster pace, to be honest. I think that will suit her. Now, we do have to take into account Nikki Henderson's record in this race, which, which isn't the best. And as you pointed out, Emmett, um, Epiton was even beaten in this race. But I just think Lucia, if there's a really, really top-class prospect in here, it, it's her, and I think she'll win this. Okay. Uh, I like the bullishness as well. And uh, hey, I was calling for her to run in the Supreme and I've done a complete flip-flop. Yeah, I'm going to take her on at that price. Um, but it's it's a lot of joy for me. Uh, final section for you again, Paul? Um, I'm probably going to no play on this. I, I like it. I like it. It's like the detailed Kevin Pullian articles where he then goes, recommendation, no bet. But hey, if you've, <laughs> if you've done all that research and you haven't found a bet, then maybe that's the way to go. But it is always good to just bash him for that. Uh, the Kim Muir is the last race of the Thursday. Uh, hopefully it's not the getting out stakes. Hopefully it's just the icing on the cake stakes for Final Furlong Podcast listeners. Uh, but we've got two men here who will crack this puzzle wide open for you. The betting is headed by Stumptown. This has been his long-term target and he's 7-2 with BetDAC. Mr. Incredible comes in with a nice profile as well. 5-1 to one with BetDAC uh, for Willie Mullins. Patrick will ride. Angels Dawn, a 6-1 to one shot. Dunboyne, 10s. Beauport, 10s. And, uh, yeah, next destination, we'll get more owners and trainers tickets for the owner on the day. Deary me. Um, and uh, a night in Lamborn, 14 to 1. Mark Milligan, tell us who is going to win the Kim Muir. Yeah, well, Stumptown obviously has very strong claims, doesn't he? He's got an upwardly mobile profile. He's only a six-year-old. He's progressed on his last two starts. He retains a time form P on his rating. There's plenty to like about him angels dawn i thought was a, another interesting one but i'm going to take mr incredible in here who i think has turned over a new leaf hasn't he since joining willie mullins he's it's fair to say he was a bit of an iffy character wasn't he when he was trained by henry Just de bromhead he, ref, he refused to race at leopardstown he was then um pulled up at, at tramore he seemed to be getting increasingly temperamental, but the switch to the Willie Mullins yard, as is often the case, seems to have brought about a new lease of life from Mr. Incredible. And he's gone from having the time form squiggle to having it quickly removed. I thought that was a really good run at Warwick last time in what was a, a really, really stiff test of stamina. Finished second to I Will Do It. And interestingly, the the principals in that race, most of them raced up with the pace, and he was the only one to make any really significant ground from the second half of the field, which I think is, is probably significant, and he's worth upgrading on that alone. He's off a mark of 145. Yes, he does carry top weight, but he carries top weight for a reason, because he's probably the most talented horse in a field of lesser talents. I'm hoping that none of his previous quirks resurface. And if they don't, I think Mr. Incredible will take plenty of beatings. Bullish. Paul Jacobs. I think he's got a massive chance as well. I think Mark told us the most pertinent words here. He just, he, he stays and stays and stays. And by this time of the afternoon on Thursday, that ground's going to be opened up. And traditionally, they go pretty quickly in the Kim Yule, amateur riders, nothing against amateur riders. That's traditionally what they do. They put the, the gun to the head and then they go for it. This is going to be a deep, deep test of stamina. And that's certainly going to suit Mr. Incredible. To a certain extent, he's been found in the marketplace, as has the favourite, Stumpstown as well. I thought Angel's Dawn was going well when and seating uh, two out in the uh, Grand National Trial at Punchestown. Um, she had a, she has a chance uh, has a chance to be on this really deep form as well. But I'm going to go left of centre here. Right? Never be scared to back a horse at a price that you have a feeling about and whether the form is in the book or not. And having won uh, his first race at Carlisle this season, Beauport's been a little bit underwhelming in his last two starts. But I believe that he's been crying out for this massive test of stamina over three and a quarter miles on soft ground. And here's a horse who actually 
uh, ran well behind, was it behind Green Book in that big uh, final, that handicap hurdle at Sandown two years ago? Yeah, Green Book won the race again this year, didn't he? When all he did was stay, stay, stay up the hill. And that race really showcased to me that a stamina sapping regime is exactly what he wants. And he hasn't really had it since over fences. You could say against him that he's not the most natural jumper and he's only had a handful of runs over fences. Um, but I think this race may well play uh, to his strengths. And there's the two or three of these at the top of the market. You'd have to doubt whether how much more improvement they got in him. So the bottom line is huge test of stamina. It's going to be a massive, massive grind. And I believe the top two or three in the betting had every chance. I, I couldn't put you off them, as Mark has already um, told you. But I think if he puts in a clear round, I think Beauport was going to run very well at a double-figure price. I, I can't argue with that whatsoever. Um, I, I think Venetia's going to win it again. Um, I'm pretty bullish she's going to win it again, actually. I, I, I like Farinet, and he would be the biggest price of, of her two remaining entries. Um, Lash Galin frustratingly came out. He's run at Cheltenham twice, and he's been beaten twice. However, he has won an undulating track, and he's won going left-handed. He's won at this time of year. He's won after a break of 26 days, which is how this pans out as well. Um, and he's won on soft ground. And crucially, he's also won on heavy, just in case it comes up a complete and utter bog, uh, which hopefully it won't. The other one is is Fontaine Collange, who's won at the distance, uh, has three three victories over fences from seven chase starts. Um, three times he's won on soft ground. Twice he's won on heavy from three starts. Again, I hope it's not going to be heavy ground, but if it is... We're going to be okay. Um, his best runs come left-handed. He's done well on an undulating track. Hasn't run at this time of year before, but has carried this kind of weight to victory. So Fontaine Collange is probably the more solid. And um, she was fancied against Remastered when he absolutely bolted up uh, at Kempton. And the ground will be ideal for her. If it gets really boggy, she'll fly through that. Mm. If it's as it is now... She's got a really good chance. And at 25 to 1, Fontaine Collange, 33 to 1, Farinet, I'll dutch the two. Fontaine Collange would be the, the bigger pick and be the more confident one of the two, but I, I don't want to ignore Farinet either. Which brings us to the bet deck Yankee slash Trixie. So, Trixie, you've got three horses. A Yankee, you've got four. Uh, two need to win. It's win only, but all proceeds go to the Irish Interjockeys Fund. So no pressure, lads. Um, Mark Milligan, are you going to go with a £10 Trixie or a £4 Yankee? I'm going to keep it simple. I'm going to go with the Trixie. Nice. Because, as I think I pointed out last week, we need to get some money in for these poor injured jobs. One of these days, one of these days, this bet is going to land, Mark. And this is, <laughs> this is the week for it, Milligan. <laughs> right, I'm keeping it simple. Mighty Potter, Tiupu, Lucia. Nice, nice. Um, Paul Jacobs, Trixie or Yankee? Well, because Mark has gone more conservative with me, I actually had two written out here. I'm going to go with my blockbusting, blow out the water. They will never have to raise another penny for their worthy cause bet. Let's go. Um, so I'm going to go Trixie. So I'm going to go, so I, I have one, um, relatively conservative uh, selection. Um, thanks for the help and the attempts, which is a single-figure price. And the other two, I think, and you'll you'll tell me otherwise, Emmett. The other two are twenty-fives and fifties at least. I'm going to go in the Grand Daniel Elixir de Nuts, who I think a fast run two miles will suit him, and the mud's not a problem. And I'm going so left of centre that even North Korea wouldn't have considered this one. And it's the Coral Handicap Hurdle after he showed an awful lot more pizzazz and um, spring-heeled and uh, just seemed to be back with his true self again last time out at Doncaster. I'm going to have a sporting John in the Coral Handicap Hurdle. I think he'll be at least 50s, won't he? Whoa, 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 whoa. i got to ask you, how have you come to the conclusion of sporting John? Because he's been... He's been pretty woeful the last while. Did you see enough in his last start to think, oh, yeah, he's back? Yeah, I thought, I, I mean, you know, I thought for three quarters of that journey in the Grinthorpe, 
He jumped really well in behind horses. He shows a lot of his old zest. I've never thought that three miles was his trip, whether it be over fences or over hurdles. I think always, 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 when he won his um, group race at Sandown, he's always wanted mud. He's always wanted the pace to go out. And I think a trip short of three miles will suit him down to the ground. Here's a horse when he was a novice. They thought, I, I, we're going to get a stay. We've got a stay as hurdle possibility on our hand when he was a novice and he blew out, of course, at Cheltenham. This is his trip in a fast run race. And although he's got a wealth of burden to carry, um, I, st- I think he's realistically handicapped. But mud, mud, glorious mud is what this horse is all about. I think it's a great shout. Um, Michael Nolan obviously takes the ride. Uh, the license has now changed. So yep. J- Johnson White is now on the license as well. But Philip Hobbs' record at Cheltenham. Like he hasn't trained a winner since nineteen dickety do. That's harsh. Twenty nineteen. Um <laughs> but but to be fair, like even with that, the, the horses that he brought to Cheltenham last year all ran absolute blinders. And yeah. he didn't I think I think he only brought four I'm gonna get this up now. Uh, I think this the stat that I have is that he, he sent four runners to Cheltenham last year, three of them placed. I'm pretty certain that's how it worked out. Um I'm about to be fi- I'm about to find out now. He's trained 20 Cheltenham Festival winners in total. Last year, he had four runners. Time Hill, second in the stairs. Camperon, fourth in the Coral Cup. Celeb Delen, uh, fifth in the plate. So yeah, he had four runners, three placed. Um, and I'm very interested in supporting John because I, I backed him the last day. I thought he was coming back to himself. And I didn't see what you've seen. But at 50 to 1, He's going in some kind of a lucky 31 account closer bet. You can be absolutely certain about that. Uh, tell us what the the other bet is. This was the shoot the lights out bet. Elixir Denouille, by the way, has been backed into 16. So you better tell us what the other bet is as well, just to, just so that we have it on record. I've, well, I've crossed it out now, so I can't even read it out to you because I've just I've pent it out totally. <laughs> Um, so I'm not even going to go down that road, no. Because if because if if, if the, the banker bet goes out, way west and the outside back goes that means i've given you six duds instead of three (laughs) i I, I ain't gonna go there i I ain't gonna go there the four probably most difficult days for a punter in the racing calendar so you need to um uh, take that back and say uh, actually you can edit that bit out oh we know we don't edit we don't you just leave it all i know you were i know and i i I need to apologize to listeners for swearing earlier on in this uh, particular uh, podcast, but um, I think you know it's just the passion of the occasion. It's the passion of Cheltenham. You know, you don't get it at Royal Ascot. You get it to a lesser degree at Aintree. You definitely get it at Galway. That's for sure. And uh, I, I just love the game. And the next four days, whatever I do from a monetary sense, I will relish what's going to go on for the four days. I'll meet people I haven't met for a year. I'll meet people that I met last week and I don't really want to meet again. But all in all, I will raise a glass to everybody. And you know what? I'll bloody enjoy myself because life is too short. Whether you're going to Cheltenham or not and you listen to this podcast, immerse yourself in what is the greatest horse racing festival in the universe. Wise words. Wise words, indeed. Um, To recap, thanks for the help. Mighty Potter, Elixir Denouille, and Sporting John. No, thanks for the help, not mighty puzzle. Thanks for the help. And it's the trick season, right? It's three. Yeah, and now okay. there were three. Okay. Um, I am going to go for Mighty Potter, thanks for the help, Tia Poo, and a lot of joy. And solid. Yeah, solid. That, that's, I think I would have put in Fontaine Colange, only Mark got in my head going, we got to win some money for the injured jockeys fund. This, this is getting ridiculous. <laughs> oh, don't, don't, don't be blaming me. This, this thing of landing win doubles, it ain't easy. I was convinced Chester Williams had this cracked a couple of weeks ago when he was on the show because he, he puts up Lemian Lion, who was six to one, goes off nine to two and wins, and it's all gone on to paint a dream. You're like, oh, he's going to do it. He's going to. Oh, crap. Uh, so this, this is the time. This is the time where it all comes right. Um, and uh, yeah, that's going to be my Yankee, which will hopefully win a few quid, but we'll we'll swing for the fences a bit more on the Friday. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed it, lads. Thank you so, so much for Thank your you. company. Thank you so, so much for your insight uh, and the very best of luck to both of you for the week. Paul Jacobs, pleasure as always. Thank you, sir. Mark Milligan, absolute legend. Thank you.
And don't forget, still time to sign up for Fantasy Cheltenham. You've got to have your entries in before the first race on day one. Well, 10 minutes before the first race uh, on day one. Uh, but you can sign up now at fantasycheltenham.ie. Uh, when you're registering your name, go to County Kilkenny. I know I'm saying this in County Cork in my apartment. With the windows open... But it is the middle of the morning, so we should be okay. Everybody's at work, so we, we should be all right. <laughs> Unless baseball bats come flying through from the court GA crowd in a second. But a- anyway, County Kilkenny, club final for podcast. Come and have a go if you think you're clever enough. There is a lot of crack and a whole lot of cash up for grabs. FantasyCheltenham.ie. It's 20 quid to play, 20 pounds, 20 euro. Uh, enter your team now. You're picking five horses in the first five races each day. You can change your selection 10 minutes before the off. So if you go cold on one, if the one's a non-runner, you can change your selection 10 minutes before the off of each race. It's a cracking competition. And if you're like us, and you're taking on Shishkin, and we're all right, you're going to wipe out an awful lot of the competition. An awful lot of the competition. Uh, are you with us with Envoyolent? Whatever it is you're doing. Maybe you think Shishkin's going to bolt up, and he does. Fantasycheltenham.ie. Come and have a go if you think you're clever enough. County Kilkenny Club Final Forum Podcast. From six-time champion tipster Paul Jacobs, from the time-form legend Mark Milligan, and from me, some bloke talking into a microphone. Thank you so much for listening. We're back with uh, a wine and whiskey special uh, with leading pundit and racehorse owner Neil Phillips, the wine tipster, and Dennis O'Regan and Barry Call are here to break down Gold Cup Day. All coming your way on the Final Furlong Podcast. Be safe, be well. God bless. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by BetDAC. Get 0% commission on all sports for 100 days when you join BetDAC.com, the sports betting exchange today. New customers only. Terms and conditions apply.